0: And our chapter reading for today is Matthew chapter 6. This is another part of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, let me just say to those of you who do extensive reading and commentaries, there will be some commentaries that will say this is a compilation of many messages that Jesus preached And it has just been all put into one by Matthew. If indeed that is the case, I don't have a problem with that. But that's just not what the text would lead us to believe. And so I'm going to stick with this is what the Lord Jesus taught as the people sat looking over a beautiful scene of what we call the Sea of Galilee while being taught by the god of heaven as he walked on this earth as the god man. Now when you come to chapter 6, it opens up with this concept of a man doing what he does in god's name in a way that doesn't bring attention to himself and is being done not to be seen of men. Now this is an important that Jesus centers in on throughout all of his ministry, and that is whatever we do, we need to do in his name for his acclaim, not for us and our own name, our own acclaim, and our own fame. And the reason that he does this is because this is a heart issue. You see, God sees the heart he doesn't just look at the outside. If we do things to be seen of men, Jesus said, truly, you do have your reward. That's all you're going to get. But if we do what we do and we do it in Jesus name for him, so he will receive glory, then God sees that as well. That's interesting. When Paul talks about in second Corinthians chapter five, verses 10 and 11, about the judgment seat of Christ, about the Bema of Christ, what he says is that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word is Bema. That is what the judge stood on, the Bema. And it was a raised platform, and he meted out judgment from that platform. This is what everyone in Corinth would have known that he was talking about. I have been to that Bama in Corinth. I have seen it. It is a raised platform above the earth that's below it, and that is where the judge, the magistrate, would sit and he would render judgment to those who stood before him. And that was an earthly judge. When we stand before the God of heaven... At the judgment seat of Christ, as believers, he will burn through with his eyes of fire. His eyes will be as fire as the judge of men's heart. You say, well, how do you know that? Revelation chapter 1, when John saw the Lord Jesus in his glorified state, he said his eyes were as a flame of fire. He will burn past all the dross, all of the facade, all of the fakiness, and the Bible says we will be judged. Judge not for the volume of deeds that we do, but that we will stand before God and give an account for the works that we have done as to what sort they are, what kind they are. In other words, it is not the volume, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. Now, isn't that something different than what we're used to? We've got to have the numbers. We've got to be busy. We've got to do it so people can see us. Uh, We've got to wave a flag and let everybody know that we are doing it. Now, there's nothing wrong with somebody knowing you're doing good deeds as long as you give glory to God. But we, our hearts are so deceitful and wicked that we've got to be careful because we can deceive ourselves and blow the trumpet and make sure that we get the credit for what we're doing. And what the Apostle Paul said basically is the same thing that Jesus said, is that when we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, we will give an account to God as to whether our works are good, that is valuable, or evil, and the bad there is not evil as in wickedness, but the word is phalos. Phalos doesn't mean bad as in wickedness. It means bad as in worthless. You see, what we do in our own name is worthless. What we do in Jesus' name will last forever forever. This is how important our motives are. And only God knows our motives in our hearts. And so what I'm telling you is what we need to do is do whatever we do in the name of Jesus and get in the habit of that. We don't have to blow a trumpet. Just do it. You don't have to let everybody know what you Just do it. You don't have to talk about what you're going to do. Just do it. And God will receive the glory. And we need to speak highly of him. During this same time, the disciples came to Jesus during this period and said, Lord, we need you to teach us to pray. You see, it's assumed that the people of God are going to be praying. This is why all the way through this passage from verse 5 all the way through the end of the chapter, all of these things that Jesus is saying is assumed we're going to be doing it. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, He said, when you fast, not if you fast, it is expected for the child of God to be fasting and praying. And so Jesus said, therefore, do not be like these Pharisees and scribes and religious people. They just happen to be religious. You don't have to be religious to do this because it could be anyone. He said, don't don't pray like they do to be seen of men. But he said, pray in this manner, our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is not a formula as in an amulet that we pray for good luck. Many times before a basketball game or a football game, those of you who are athletes, it's almost like, heathen come together and pray this like it's some magical incantation and good luck charm. It's no different than a football team touching a stone before they go out or on the field or they run by and and smack the side of a wall for good luck or whatever the tradition is. All of those are traditions, and those are fine as long as you don't take the Word of God and try to make it a good luck charm like praying the Lord's Prayer, okay, God, God's on our side now. When you've just been out living like the devil, and as soon as the football game's over, you're going to live like the devil. And while you're on the field, you're going to be cursing and spitting and slobbering and having temper tantrums. Well, God's not in that, and God doesn't honor that. You say, well, isn't it better than nothing? Not necessarily, because it's making a mockery of God's Word and God's name. If you're going to pray, pray. If you don't, then don't. And if you're not going to live for Jesus then these prayers are not going to do you any good anyway. I'm just telling you, this doesn't give us favor before God. Only the grace of God does that. But it is a model prayer. It is something that we should do to look at as a model, not to just mimic it and repeat it, as is the case so many times. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's nothing that is super spiritual about it either, because he said, this is the way you should pray, Not this is what you should pray, but this is the manner in which you should pray. That is, it's based upon a relationship with our Father in heaven. If you're not a child of God, God's not your Father. You say, oh, I can't believe that you're saying that. Well, you should. That's what God teaches. You see, we become a child of God by trusting in Jesus, by trusting in the Messiah. Everyone is not just naturally a part of God's family. If that were the case, why did Jesus say to a religious, spiritually minded Jew, you must be born again? Why well, I thought he already was in the family. Well, he's part of the covenant, the national covenant of Israel, but that doesn't mean he's going to heaven. If they, if every Jew is going to heaven because they are a Jew, then Jesus died in vain and the prophets all missed it. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah. Ezekiel, Daniel, they missed it because they called the people of God to repentance and said God would bring judgment on those who didn't. Now, what about that? These were Jews talking to Jews. And so he said, pray our Father in heaven. He's talking about a relationship with God. God's name is special. It's set aside. It's hallowed. It is to be reverenced. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That means that we subject ourselves to the king. And God will rule and reign on this earth one day. We want His will to be done now, even as it will in the kingdom one day. We seek God for our daily bread. We don't just come up with that on our own. We're like the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. God has to provide for us every day or we wouldn't have it. And you say, well, I've already got enough stored up for a month. Well, God can do away with that in no time. We need to trust God for our daily bread. And then he said, forgive us of our trespasses, our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass and and, uh, that have sinned against us. We've sinned against them. He goes on to say in verse 14, "...for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the your Father forgive you your trespasses." Now, what on earth is that all about? I thought we were saved by grace, and I thought our forgiveness was based upon the blood of Jesus. It is. That is our judicial forgiveness. You see, there's different kinds of forgiveness in the Bible. One is to establish a relationship with God. We are justified by faith, by trusting God alone, trusting God's word. That's how we have peace with God, peace with God, not the peace of God. Not, oh, I have peace. But peace, that means no more war. I've surrendered to the will of God. I'm now a part of the family of God. I'm now under His Lordship. He is my master. That's what we usually are talking about. The basis for that is not forgiveness of another. It is falling on our faces before God. It is looking to the God of heaven and saying, I am not worthy to be saved, but I want you to save me for Jesus' sake. I believe He died to pay the penalty for my sins. That is the way a man is made right with God as far as his relationship. But once you're in the family of God, God is no longer looked upon as an adversary, as a judge, a great judge in heaven that's going to send you to eternal damnation for not trusting him. No, now he's our father. Yes, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but not in order to determine whether we're part of the family, but we're going to be judged on the basis of what we have done and how we've served Him and how we've lived in obedience or not since we've become a part of the family. The judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with judgment for sin. That's been taken care of at the cross of Christ and the moment we were saved. And that has to do with our relationship with God. Our relationship is maintained by Jesus, and it is forever. Our fellowship, that is, experiencing God's forgiveness as a family member. Because you see, when I sinned, I didn't become any less the son of my father. He didn't disown me because I sinned. I may have embarrassed him. I may have disobeyed him, and I did. But I did, I was no less his son, but fellowship was broken. I assure you that fellowship was broken. In other words, I didn't want to see my father. I didn't want to get around my father. I didn't want to be around him because I knew he would see the guilt and shame in my heart and he would discipline me. I didn't want that. So when Jesus is talking, look who he's talking to. He's talking to his disciples and he says, this is the way you pray. And he talks about a personal relationship with God, our father in heaven. And then he's still talking in verse 14 to believers, to his disciples. And he said, you need to forgive others or you will never experience. That is, you will never sense with bitterness in your heart. You will never sense the forgiveness and fellowship with God that you desire. That's what he's talking about. He's talking to the family. There's a difference between forgiveness of our sins to place us into the body of Christ. That's being forgiven of the penalty of sin that will send us to eternal damnation. After we're in the family, then there is forgiveness that comes within the family. And that has to do with fellowship, not relationship. Now, you can see this all the way through the Bible. First John one nine is talking to believers. That's the whole context. John said, these things I write unto you who believe, not unbelievers. Here's what he said. If we confess our sins, who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. That means he'll do it every time. And he is just in doing it because Jesus died to pay for our sins. He will forgive us of our sins, and He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that's not forgiveness to let us in the family. It's forgiveness that has to do with the family. It has to do with our fellowship and our walk with Him. That's why we feel guilty once we have come into the family of God and we're saved. We feel very guilty when we disobey God, and we should. There should be shame associated with it. Just as it should be when we disobey our parents and we lie to them and we we steal from them and we disobey them, we know something's not right. And so we have a tendency to not want to be around them. Same thing with God. That's why people don't come to church, because that represents God to them. You can't have it both ways. You say, well, I'm not going to church because uh, there's nobody down there that's saved, nobody down there that's living for the Lord. Well, then you should go right down there and feel comfortable because you're not either. No, the reason you stay away is because you know you're going to go there and you're going to hear preaching and you're going to get convicted and you're going to be guilty and you don't want to deal with it. That's the reality of it. And so all I'm saying to you is the Sermon on the Mount gets us out where the water hits the wheel. The shoe leather hits the road. This is not theory. This is not hypothesis. This is real life. Pray fast. Seek the face of God for His glory only. Lay up treasures in heaven. Don't worry. Don't fret. These are issues of where we live. It's one thing to read the book. It's another to obey it. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonychrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonychrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.